0: to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a
1: thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30 bet you get 30, 30 get 20, 20 20 bet you get 20, 20 bet you get 15, 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch.
0: $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: The vast, frozen wilderness of Alaska was our hunting ground. Our objective was simple, caribou. The trip began as any other. A group of us, seasoned hunters, stepping into the icy tundra, armed with rifles and a lifetime of experience. What we encountered there, however, was far beyond our wildest imaginations. It started with the tracks. Unusual, enormous, with a stride that suggested a creature of immense size. They were like nothing we'd ever seen, unlike any beast known to modern science. A sense of unease spread among us, but we were hunters. We followed the tracks, drawn by the allure of the unknown. The Alaskan weather, always fickle, took a turn for the worse. A blizzard blew in, an unforgiving wall of snow and wind that reduced visibility to mere feet. But the tracks were fresh, and the promise of uncovering the creature that made them drove us forward. It was a mistake. The blizzard was relentless, the cold biting through our gear. And then, through the swirling snow, we saw it. A monstrous silhouette, enormous and hulking, against the white landscape. Its eyes glowed an eerie blue, and it let out a sound that chilled us to the bone, a deep, resonating growl that echoed across the tundra. The creature attacked. It was quick, far quicker than its size suggested. We fought back, our rifles lighting up the blizzard, but it was like shooting at a shadow. One by one, my fellow hunters fell, their screams lost in the howling wind. In the end, it was just me. wounded half frozen, I lay in the snow, the taste of blood in my mouth. The creature loomed over me, its massive form a terrifying sight against the blizzard. I closed my eyes, accepting my fate. But then, a sound cut through the storm, a sound that spelled hope, the thumping blades of a helicopter. I looked up, squinting against the snow, and there it was, a rescue helicopter hovering above. I raised my hand, mustering the last of my strength to wave. The creature, startled by the noise, retreated into the storm, its monstrous form disappearing into the white. I don't remember much after that. The cold, the pain, the blinding light of the helicopter's searchlight, and then blackness. I woke up in a hospital bed, my body a network of bandages and IV lines. I was the sole survivor, a testament to the dual threats of nature's wrath and the monstrous creature of the Alaskan tundra. The memory of the creature's glowing eyes still haunts me, a chilling reminder of the unknown dangers lurking in the wilderness. I've spent my entire life in the woods, hunting and living off the land. It was a way of life passed down to me by my father and uncle, and now I was passing it on to my cousin. One particular day, we were out on a woodcock hunt. My dad, uncle, cousin, and our dogs were positioned to my left in the thick woods. I was stationed on the outskirts, ready to shoot any birds that tried to escape. I was in a relatively open area, scattered trees standing sentinels far apart from each other. My dad was just inside the edge of the woods, barely 20 feet away from me. Something, a gut instinct perhaps, prompted me to look to my right. The area was wide open, offering a clear view for at least a 100 yards. As I turned, I noticed a man about 20 feet away from me, walking directly towards me with his head down. He wore a red shirt, a brown vest, blue jeans, and a brown Jones-style hunting cap. His hair was black, but he was unarmed, with no gun in sight. Confused, I turned to my dad and pointed out the stranger. However, when he looked in the direction I was pointing, he replied, what man? I swiveled my gaze back to where the man had been just seconds before, but he was gone. He had disappeared without a trace. There were no hiding spots in sight, the landscape was too open, too bare. It bothered me for a long time. I was certain I hadn't been hallucinating. The man was solid. His details etched in my mind with crystal clarity. This was just one of many strange, unexplainable experiences I've had in these woods. The mystery of the disappearing man was yet another testament to the fact that there's much we don't understand about the world around us. Back in 1991, I stumbled upon an alleged secret government facility in Hawaii. As a former employee there, I knew I had to share the extraordinary things that had been happening behind those heavily guarded walls for years. The facility housed a classified unit that trained psychic warriors, capable of remote viewing into realities and timelines where, it seemed, humans had never set foot. I, William Edgar, worked at this mind-bending facility in the late 80s. What I witnessed there was beyond the realms of everyday comprehension. Every military personnel was versed in the art of psychic warfare, enabling them to be deployed into other timelines and universes. They harnessed clairvoyance and precognition to achieve their mission objectives. The US government, according to my insights, had discovered an interdimensional travel method for these classified units. They manipulated the biophysical bodies of personnel to induce out-of-body experiences, leaving their physical bodies behind. I believe this secret government operation aimed to harness time and space's power, accessing other universes that existed in the same spatial plane but different temporal ones. When a person was said to have left their body, they entered what's known as the biophysical phase. As per conspiracy theory lore, leaving the physical form behind enables a person to defy the laws of physics, walking through walls, flying, and even traveling through different timelines or parallel universes. They could venture into epochs before human civilization emerged on Earth. I noticed that recruits were being selected from top-tier universities across America. Many of these students showed exceptional potential for psychic abilities, often linked to their youth. These recruits underwent rigorous training to sharpen their abilities before they were deemed ready for field missions. Tragically, My life was cut short in a fatal car accident in 1993, shortly after I released this information. The Hawaiian government and the United States government were quick to respond, dismissing all my claims as preposterous and absurd. Yet, I can only share the truth as I experienced it. Living just outside Appalachia, life is peaceful, steeped in the serene beauty of nature. One day, my friend and I decided to take a walk back to my house through the dense forest. The air was cool and crisp, a typical day in our quiet corner of the world. Our conversation was interrupted by a strange noise. A long, scraping sound echoed through the trees. My first thought was that it was a woodpecker, but the sound didn't quite fit. It was too harsh, too rhythmic. Intrigued, we decided to investigate. As we ventured deeper into the forest, an unsettling feeling washed over us. It was like stepping into a shadow, a sudden drop in temperature that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. We exchanged a look, both of us feeling the same eerie sensation. The forest, once filled with the sounds of chirping birds and rustling leaves, seemed to hold its breath. The scraping sound continued, louder now, But there was something else, a feeling of being watched. It was as if the trees had eyes, scrutinizing our every move. We decided to turn back, the unease growing with each step. As we walked back to my house, the feeling persisted. We kept looking over our shoulders, half expecting to see something or someone lurking in the shadows. But there was nothing, just the dense forest and the ominous silence. Then, as abruptly as it had started, The scraping noise stopped, but the feeling of being watched remained. We quickened our pace, eager to leave the forest behind. We finally reached my house, a wave of relief washing over us. We were safe, but the questions lingered. What was that noise? Why did we feel watched? Was it just our imagination playing tricks on us, or was there something more? In the safety of my home, we pondered over our experience. Was it a prankster, a wild animal, or something else entirely? We couldn't say for sure. As the day gave way to night, we decided to let it go. Maybe it was just one of those unexplainable things, a mystery that would remain unsolved. But one thing was certain, we would never forget that strange, eerie feeling in the heart of the forest. We would always wonder what was out there, watching us from the shadows. A couple of years ago, I was sat filing out some paperwork in the office when a call comes in on the radio. Telling me, I think I'd better get down here ASAP, I just remember thinking that somehow they must've known I'd just sat down for a minute with a fresh pot of coffee. But a colleague calls through something like that, you better go check it out. I'm a ranger out in SoCal and we have a massive expanse of parkland that we look after. So. After jumping in the truck and heading off to the area one of the rangers had also been checking in on, to see what we got. We have an official camping area out here which is super busy and is ran and looked at and after by a separate team. We don't tend to get involved with that much. But we do however find the occasional off-site camper in the woods that we have to remove for their own safety. People or idiots don't seem to realize that there is a reason why there is a safe campsite and although you can hike through designated areas, there is plenty of wildlife out there that would very much like you for an appetizer. So, I pull up the truck to the spot my colleague is waiting and my heart sinks when I see the tents. I was asked if I looked inside and I can now see my colleague turning a little green. He told me I better take a look. I just remember thinking how bad it could possibly be. I mean the tent from the outside at least hardly even looked disturbed. There were no apparent rips in the material or obvious signs of any animal activity let alone violent activity or struggle. But as soon as I opened the zipper, the smell hit me like a hammer to my face. Blood and a lot of it. But that's it. No body, no belongings, not even a sleeping bag. Nothing, just a tent full of blood. We had the police come and they did their thing. Did a massive search of the area and although how anything would have survived that much blood loss I don't know, but where was the body? That site was a potential homicide location. There was also no blood trails outside of the tent, no footprints, tire marks, or anything other than from us. Speculation was that the body was killed in that tent and then drug off. But once again, there were no markings or indications in the soil or ground below us to show any of that. The cops let us know a while later that after doing tests, it was indeed human blood, but having no match whatsoever on the system to who it belonged to. So that's another park ranger tale. We'll never know what the hell happened. Wayne National Forest has always been my sanctuary. A place to lose myself in the embrace of nature. So, when I decided to embark on a solo camping trip, I had no reservations. The first day was uneventful. I hiked, fished, and when the sun began to set, I set up my tent. The forest was alive with the sounds of nocturnal creatures, the night air cool and crisp. As I settled into my sleeping bag, a flicker of light caught my attention. I unzipped the tent poking my head out. Two glowing white orbs floated around my campsite. They moved slowly, almost rhythmically, casting an eerie light on the trees. I watched them in silence, my curiosity peaked but also a sense of unease building up inside me. Was it just a trick of light? A reflection of some sort, perhaps? But then they started moving in patterns, defying any logical explanation I could come up with. I considered packing up and hiking back to my car, but something made me stay. I wanted to understand what I was witnessing. So, I crawled back into my tent, leaving a small opening so I could observe the orbs. The night was long. I would doze off for a while, only to wake up and find the orbs still there. They floated around my tent, never straying too far. Their glow seemed to pulse, radiating a soft light that illuminated my tent. I tried to rationalize it, told myself it was just fireflies or some other forest phenomenon. But deep down, I knew it was something else. Something unexplainable. As dawn approached, a rustling sound echoed from the bushes. I froze, straining my ears to catch any hint of what it could be. Suddenly, a dark figure darted past my tent. A predator, it moved with an eerie silence, its eyes glowing a familiar white. I held my breath, watching as the creature prowled around my tent. It seemed curious, almost as if it was studying me. The orbs hovered nearby, their glow matching the creature's eyes. Then, as quickly as it had appeared, the creature vanished into the forest. The orbs followed, fading away with the breaking dawn. I was left alone, the forest resuming its natural rhythm as if nothing had happened. I packed up and headed back to my car the events of the night replaying in my mind. I didn't have an explanation for what I witnessed that night. Was it just my imagination? Or did I encounter an unknown predator of the forest, its glowing eyes a testament to the mysteries that nature holds? I may never know. But that night changed the way I looked at the forest, a reminder that even in the familiar, the unknown lurks. Being an avid hunter, I've seen my fair share of wilderness. But this particular trip to the Blue Mountains of Washington with my buddy, Sam, was one for the books. We'd been deer hunting and were camping deep in the forest, about 8 miles from the nearest sign of civilization. We left our camp for about a week during the gap between deer and elk season. But when we returned, we found our campsite in ruins. A bear had ransacked the place, our tent torn down, and our supplies scattered all around. The smell of the bear still lingered, causing our horses and mules to be noticeably agitated. We spent the remainder of the day setting up camp again. As the sun dipped below the horizon, we managed to get our tent back up and calm the animals. Exhausted from the day's work, we turned in for the night. Just as I was drifting off to sleep, I was jolted awake by Sam's terrified screams. I scrambled out of my sleeping bag, my heart pounding. What is it, Sam? I shouted, fumbling for my flashlight. There! There! He pointed towards the trees, his hand shaking. My beam of light cut through the darkness, landing on a massive figure that was definitely not a bear. It stood on two legs, covered in thick hair, with broad shoulders and a powerful build. It was a creature straight out of the legends a Sasquatch. We froze in fear, watching as the creature lumbered around our campsite. It seemed curious, inspecting our tent and supplies. The horses and mules were in a frenzy, their senses sharper than ours. As quickly as it had appeared, the Sasquatch retreated back into the forest, leaving us in stunned silence. We barely slept that night, every rustle of the leaves sending us into high alert. But the Sasquatch did not return. In the morning, we packed up our campsite and headed back to civilization. The encounter left us with a sense of awe and respect for the wilderness we thought we knew. It was a stark reminder that we were merely visitors in these woods, a place that still held secrets and creatures beyond our comprehension. We left the Blue Mountains with a new story, one we'd tell around campfires, about the night we saw a Sasquatch. My dad and mom had backpacked in several miles to an area he had hunted elk in numerous times in the past. They set up their tent and got camp all situated, didn't see hide nor hair of any elk that evening but figured they would get after it in the morning. About 1 am they started hearing a moaning sound off in the distance but it kept getting a little closer and a little closer and by around 2.30 am the noise was only 50 or 75 yards off and it sounded almost like a person that was injured so my dad got out of the tent with his flashlight in one hand and 44 in the other. He shouted out hello are you okay?" but no response. He scanned the woods with his flashlight but nothing no eyes reflecting or nothing. He went back in the tent and about 20 minutes later it was back and getting closer. Whatever it was came right up to the tent and was brushing against it. My dad said it almost seemed like a person walking around the tent with their hand brushing against it. When it was on the opposite side from the door he unzipped the door and jumped out ready as one could be to see what it was, scanning with the flashlight again but again nothing. My mom yelled it's right behind the tent I can hear it moving. So my dad went towards the back of the tent but still nothing, no eyes reflecting as one would expect with an animal. This continued until just before it started breaking light and then it completely vanished. They left and came out after that, but him and I hunted that area again about 25 years later. If I'm being honest the first night out there I didn't sleep a wink. My dad said that was the only time in his life when he was truly frightened. For what it's worth he had tons of backcountry experience both in Montana and Alaska. Funny thing is he ran into an outfitter a couple months later and he had dropped a hunter off in an old trapper's cabin about seven miles as the crow flies from where my parents had been. The hunter had a similar story and got so scared he just left all his gear except his rifle and high-tailed it out of there. His story beats my worst all to hell. My worst was having a mountain lion and heat circle my tent most of one night after backpacking in seven miles from mule deer. Was an uneasy night listening to her screaming all night, but at least I knew what it was. I live in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains in northeast Georgia. It's a beautiful area with hundreds of miles of national forest some great state parks and a ton of fantastic camping places. Unfortunately, my hometown is also relatively poor. While there are some out-of-town residents from Atlanta and other places, a lot of people where I live are really poor. I do freelance work as a technical writer, so I can do most of my work online. If I didn't have that going for me, I'd have to move somewhere else. It's just one of those small towns that will rob you of your ability to accomplish anything in life if you stay there too long, without anything else going for you, at least. Excluding a handful of doctors and lawyers and Georgia Power Company employees, the only employment in the area is at Walmart, fast food and a couple of grocery stores. To the east of my town, there's a massive national forest. It's loaded with great camping sites and lots of relatively unused hiking trails. I really enjoy hiking on them with my dog, but it can be a bit of an unnerving experience sometimes. It's about a 10-mile drive from town, and there's no cell phone service or homes for miles. In the past, there've been a lot of vehicle break-ins at the trailheads. The gravel parking lots at some of them glitter with bits of broken glass from what I'm guessing were car windows. Sometimes, there are really shifty people hanging around these trailheads or just driving around on the forest service roads. These are really rough roads, and you'll see these beat-up $500 cars just barreling along roads meant for a 4x4. Some of the people you see in the cars look like the guy that got crushed by an ATM and Breaking Bad. All that being said, it's still a great place to camp. However, you just have to be careful. A few years ago, two of my friends and I decided to go play paintball in the National Forest, probably not legal, I know. We decided to turn the paintball expedition into a camping trip so we could play the next morning too. After a pretty uneventful day of shooting paintballs at each other, we drive a couple of miles to one of the more popular camping spots. Unfortunately, a church group or something had taken up all the spots in the area. This was really the only camping spot that we were familiar with, and it was getting pretty late. We decide to keep on looking, so we drive for about an hour further and further into the woods. By this time, it's getting a bit dark, and we're getting a bit worried about finding a spot. We all had GPS on our smartphones, but none of us had any service. We turn off onto an unfamiliar road that isn't in very good shape. In fact, It looks like the Forest Service Rangers used a backhoe to block off the road with a mound of dirt. A broken metal barrier lay in the woods nearby. That said, it looked like 4x4 vehicles had been going over the mound, so it was pretty worn down. Our F-150 had pretty high clearance, so we decided to go over the mound. There was an old gravel road on the other side, and the road was pretty much clear of debris. We drove a few miles down this road and came across an opening next to a small creek. There were some blue tarps hanging over a plywood table nailed to a tree, which seemed kind of odd. That said, it was pretty much dark at this point, and we didn't want to keep driving around all night looking for a camping spot. We left the truck light running, and we set up the tent. As we were setting up the tent, I started to notice that there was a lot of trash in the woods surrounding the site. I see a green bottle laying on the ground. I take a look at the label, and see that it's a bottle of home and garden insecticide. I was really tired at the time, and I just thought that someone had been dumping their home garbage out here. None of us thought it was weird that someone would be dumping garbage in an area that is more than an hour from the nearest home. We set up camp, had some beers, and made chili from scratch. By this time, it was probably around 11 p.m. As we're eating, we notice a faint glow from the other side of a nearby hill. At first, we thought it was moonlight filtering its way through the trees. However, the angles didn't make sense. It didn't seem to be a bright light, and it wasn't moving. It was kind of like that glow you see over a bright city. We couldn't see the light source itself, though. Since there were no other access roads in the area, we decided it wasn't other campers. The hill was about a quarter mile from our campsite, so we decided to go investigate. Under normal circumstances, I know I wouldn't have done so. However, we all had a few rum and cokes in our stomachs, and two of us, Jacob and I, decide to take a look. My other friend, Isaac, decides to stay behind to pop some popcorn over the fire. We start walking towards the light source, and the situation gets even stranger. All the trees in the area have their bark knocked off in a circle around their trunks. We thought it could've been the work of a beaver that lived in the creek, but it seems strange that a beaver would go around all these trees and just knock the bark off in a circle. Jacob and I start talking about the ghost beaver in pretty loud voices, probably due to our drunkenness. As we're almost to the top of the hill, Jacob tripped, and yelled, oh shit. A few seconds after he yelled, the light, whatever it was, went out. We look at each other, and decide that maybe we don't need to see what that light was after all. We walk back in silence, and keep looking back every few seconds. We decide to turn off our flashlight and just use the moonlight to get back to the campsite. When we get a couple of hundred feet from the campsite, I can see my other friend Isaac walking around the campsite. He was wearing a hooded coat that I hadn't seen him wearing before for some reason, he's carrying his paintball gun around in his hand. That seemed a little odd, we said to each other. The fire had started to die down, so we couldn't see our campsite very well. At this point, we'd probably been gone for almost an hour. From the distance, it looked like Isaac was looking for something. He kept walking around the side and was peering in the tent. When we were almost back to the campsite, We saw Isaac walk up the road we came in on. We figured that he was going to go use the bathroom and didn't want to wander through the woods like us. When we got back, we sat next to the fire and waited for Isaac to come back. All of a sudden, we see him lurch out of the tent. He stumbles a few feet, and vomits. After we left, he had a few more rum and cokes, he mumbles. We ask him why he kept wandering around the campsite with the paintball gun and he gets a strange look on his face. They're locked up in the cab of the truck. Did you unlock it? We go and check the truck, enter the door code, and see all our paintball equipment just as we left it before. The keys to the truck were still hidden in a magnetic fob underneath. I get a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. Isaac, what were you doing after we left? I ask. Um. I was watching a movie on my phone, Then I fell asleep, I guess. But. You were walking around with your paintball gun, right? Did you just change jackets? Isaac said he had been in the tent since we left, and that he had been wearing the same unhooded fleece all night. Someone had been walking around our campsite, and it wasn't Isaac. At this point, all of us are way too drunk to drive, but we decide to go ahead and pack up and go back to my house for the night. We don't bother packing up the tent, we just fold it down with the sleeping bags and everything in it. We jump in the F-150, and I start to drive out. When we get to the dirt hump, we see something grey blocking our path. The metal barrier that had been lying in the woods earlier is now back on its stand, right on top of the hump earlier. By this point, all of us have sobered up to the situation. No one wants to get out of the car to try to move the barrier. I had a metal guard on the front of the F-150, so I drive forward slowly, tapping the metal barrier with the front of my truck. It falls right off, it must've just have been balanced on top, and we drive over it slowly. We were terrified that it would pop one of the truck's tires as we drove over it, but it didn't. As we drive down the road, we see a vehicle following us with its lights off. It's probably 1,000 feet behind us but we keep catching glimpses of it as the moon reflects light off it. I start to drive as fast as I can on the forest service road, and the other vehicle keeps pace. It doesn't get any closer though, it stays just one or two turns behind us. We can only see it when the road straightens out. After about 45 minutes of speeding along gravel roads, we make it back to the main paved road. I start to drive everyone back to my house. But I decided to go a different way just to be safe. I didn't get pulled over for ADUI, luckily. Camping can be fun, but very rural camping can be dangerous. I've driven past that metal barrier since that time, but it's always been in place. I would never go down that road again though. When I was a child playing in the woods with my sister, I kept hearing noises behind me. I assumed it was an animal. I ignored it for a while. I started to get a bad feeling. I kept glancing around. I didn't see anything, at first. Some time goes by. Out of nowhere, something started running full speed towards us. We ran like hell. For a moment while running away, I looked over my shoulder. I saw a silhouette of a person hunched over like a running back chasing us. Fortunately, our house was not far and we made it inside fine. Our parents didn't believe us when we told them. They played it off to our imagination. I will never know what his intentions were. I got an evil feeling that words can't explain from that situation. I decided to try a creek in the Cahuttas, North Georgia, where three creeks merged at around 2,600 hoping to catch trout or one of the local base species. After driving to the location, spending quite a bit of time on dirt roads to get to there, it is very clear based on the overgrown parking lot and lack of trash or other signs of humans that this was not a frequently used trail. At the start of the trip, that's exactly what I was hoping for. As I begin to head down the trail, it becomes pretty clear the descent is much steeper than I expected from Google Maps. After descending roughly 800 over the stretch of a half mile, I'm already nearing what I think is the end of trout water, but as I mentioned earlier they have black base species that live only in this area to target as well. The trail has completely flattened out and parallels the river which has several creeks feeding into from higher elevations, giving me hope the water will be cold enough. For the first two miles the creek is too narrow and shallow for me to even consider trying to fish it. As I make it further in, eventually enough creeks have merged that the water is consistently at least 6 inches deep, with little pools maybe a foot deep. Stream is about 6-10 feet wide. Once I reached this point I began to fish the creek anywhere I could feasibly bushwhack to the bank. There weren't many spots I was able to do this. The whole time I'm hiking and fishing I'm keeping an eye out for any tracks or signs of bear activity. Still a little on edge from running into a few the week prior and knowing that the next person to come along won't just be 10 minutes away like last week. Around the 5 mile mark, I see my first sign that anything else has ever been out there. It's a track, 3 feet long, 4 fingers, 2 pads on the heel, no claws. Another 50 feet, another track. 50 feet past that I come up to a 2 feet tall game trail that appears to lead to a bedding area for something. I'd assume the track belonged to a bobcat or coyote. No claws makes me think cat, but I'd think it was on the big side for a bobcat. At this point I hadn't had a bite and decide to head back to the truck. I reach the bottom of the hill to climb back the last stretch, I see a bad sign, the third set of tracks I see all day that are not mine or the ones I previously described belong to a bear. Two tracks. Several trees in the area have also had pieces of bark ripped off, saplings were ripped up. Now all of the missing bark was facing downhill, so I convinced myself I just wasn't able to see it earlier and I must have missed the tracks. This is about all I can come up with since that trail up is the only way out not even five steps into my ascent, I found the bear. As I was 90 degrees with a bush to my left, it roared and, at least in my head, the entire bush shook when he did. I was close enough to touch the bush with my left arm. Unlike previous bear encounters at distance, where I was able to calmly stand my ground and then back off when that didn't work, I completely panicked. My first reaction was to turn my back to the bear and run before realizing what I was doing. As soon as I caught myself, I tuned back towards it, stood tall, arms out and trying to talk as normally as possible as I retreated back 100 feet. As I'm standing here, I quickly realize I'm at a low spot on all four sides with zero visibility forward, backwards, or to my left. Two of the three directions I'd assume the bear would come from if it were to advance on me. Moving to my right by about 30 feet puts me on slightly higher ground, but also takes me off the trail and most likely further reduces my visibility. I decide standing right where I was while everything cooled down was not any better or worse than anything else I could do. After waiting 30 minutes on my watch after the initial bear encounter, I have not heard the bear in a while. I decide to test with a rock throw in its direction since I'm getting pretty tired of the calling. The bear very loudly lets me know it is still there. I remember how remote the area is and that I did not see a single track or sign showing human life had ever been on the 5 miles I walked. Another 30 minutes go by, both the fastest and slowest 30 minutes of my life. I repeat the process and it plays out exactly the same way. Except 5 minutes later I hear the bear snort just a little to the left of where it had been. I wait another 20 minutes or so and now something has changed. I try throwing a rock at the bear again, no reaction. I think I held it together walking past where the bear was and then ran a 2 minute half mile straight uphill. With only 5 creek chubs to show for the whole ordeal I will never be back to that area again. This happened a few months ago on a trip I was taking to see my grandparents. They live about an hour and a half away and I take the Natchez Trace Parkway to their house. For those who aren't familiar with it, it is a national parkway that is surrounded by woods, for lack of a better description. Along the parkway there are many places you can pull off and see landmarks from American history, most having to do with Native American Indians. There are no stores or gas stations along the parkway without having to exit off and drive a few miles to the nearest town. They do provide several bathrooms on the trace for travelers. For this trip I was alone, since my husband had to work. I had left my grandparents' house and I was about 45 minutes into my drive, when I realized the large drink I had gotten at Taco Bell was a huge mistake. I had to pee, like really really had to. I was on a long stretch of the trace where the next exit was a good 20 miles ahead. Now, I was prepared to wait it out, since I was alone and didn't want to stop at the bathrooms, as usually there were other travelers stopping there to rest and use the restrooms. When I got closer to the restrooms I decided I would pull in and look around and see if maybe no one would be there, or a large group of people would be there. My bladder felt like it was about to explode and I really thought I might have an accident if I tried to make it to the next town. So I pull in and immediately notice a parkway ranger parked at the restrooms along with one other vehicle. I figured since the ranger was there I would be safe to run in and use the restroom quickly. I got out of my car and caught the ranger's eye and he nodded his head at me, so I locked my car and went inside the restroom. I was thinking he would stay until I left the restroom so I felt completely safe. When I got in the stall I heard a car start up, and thought it was the other vehicle that was sitting in the lot. I was very very wrong. Not 15 seconds later the door to the restroom opened and someone started banging on the stall door. I was mid-pee and I had to go so bad I couldn't stop. I could see a pair of men's shoes under the stall door and two very large, hefty legs. He wasn't saying anything just banging on the door. I finished as quickly as I could and got my pants pulled up and everything, then just froze. I didn't know what to do. It was obviously the ranger who had left the parking lot. This guy is banging on the door not saying a word. I finally found my voice and asked what he wanted. He told me to cone out of the stall. His voice sounded so calm compared to the banging. I yelled at him and told him I had my phone with me and was going to call 911. He just kept banging and calmly telling me to come out of the stall. I was praying the latch wouldn't break. I unfortunately, stupidly, didn't actually have my phone with me, but I still pretended I was calling 911 and talking to a dispatcher. The man stopped banging and I heard him run out of the restroom. I waited a minute, what felt like an hour, and heard his vehicle start up so I decided to run to my car. I got my keys ready and as soon as I opened the door I unlocked my car and ran as fast as I could and got in. I immediately locked my doors and started my car. The man was still parked in the lot in his truck so I grabbed my phone and called 911, they told me to wait right there while they transferred me to the ranger's dispatch. Well, I guess the man saw me get my phone and realized I hadn't called when I was inside the restroom. He jumped out of his truck and started coming towards my car. I was still waiting to talk to the other dispatcher, but there was no way I was just going to sit there while this man tried to break into my car or something. So I reversed out of the lot onto the road. The dispatcher came on the line and I was focused on driving and telling her everything that happened and that a ranger had been there like five minutes earlier. She told me to hold on while she tried to find the ranger that was there and I glanced in the rearview mirror to see the truck right behind me. I screamed into the phone to tell the dispatcher, but I guess I was on hold because she didn't come back on the line for another 30 seconds or so. When she came back I was screaming that he was behind me and she was trying to calm me down. She said the ranger was just down the road from me and to put on my flashers so when I passed him he would know I was the one who needed help. When I put my flashers on the man slowed down and got further behind me. I had gone about a mile when. I saw the ranger. He got behind the truck and the man pulled just pulled over. I pulled over about 500 feet in front of them. I watched as the ranger made the man get out of his truck and handcuff him and put him in the police car. The ranger then came to talk to me and said that the man said that it wasn't him, and just denied everything. Luckily the ranger recognized him since he was in the parking lot when I pulled up. The ranger told me I could go, so I left and went home. I haven't heard what happened to the man, if anything. I have never driven on the trace by myself since, and I always make sure I use the restroom before I leave my grandparents. I still have no idea why the ranger left the parking lot, I was too shaken up when I talked to him to think to ask. So crazy guy who bangs on bathroom stalls, let's never ever meet. When I was a teenager a guy was screaming for help in the woods. I still remember I just got home from a friend's. It was around 8pm. My parents kept trying to yell back hello and we are here things of that nature. He wouldn't respond. Just intermediate calls for help. When I first heard his scream, I immediately ran and hid in my bedroom. It was a blood-curdling scream. Gives me chills just thinking about it. Filled me with fear just hearing his scream. The next day everyone searched the woods and found nothing. Nothing was ever in the news. I will never understand. Why didn't he yell back? Where did he come from? We lived in the middle of nowhere. No close neighbors. Sometimes I think he was trying to lure us in. He would have seen our lights from our house. The woods was a hill. Back in college I entered a tournament as a coangler on Rodman Reservoir in Ocala National Forest. Boater told me to meet him at the lake at 5 am. I hit the road around 3.30 am, should put me there about 15 minutes early. I'm driving through Ocala National Forest and the fog this particulate morning is thick, I'm probably driving 30 in a 55 due to the limited visibility. I come around a corner and all of the sudden I see the whitest lady I've ever seen in my life walking towards me in the lane. Clearly just substance abuse going on, but could easily pass for a zombie ghost. I pull into the oncoming traffic lane and hit my brakes to miss her. I come to a stop about 15 feet past her, and watch her turn around like a zombie and start walking towards my truck. I went ahead and got out of there. Since then I've had a similar thing happen in almost the same area with a regular looking guy that appeared to have a bit too much to drink. Another time, guy just crossing the road around midnight, no vehicles around. I've got several buddies that have similar stories of people walking in the oncoming lane seemingly in the middle of nowhere out in the Ocala National Forest and they had to swerve to miss them. Weird thing is it always seems to happen 5-10 miles from the closest building that shows up on the map, and these aren't hikers. No clue what these people are doing out there. It all started on a quiet summer night in Wisconsin. I was visiting a friend's cabin deep in the woods, away from the hustle and bustle of city life. It was a perfect escape, or so I thought. We were sitting around the campfire, swapping stories and laughing, when suddenly, I felt a strange sensation. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but it was as if we were being watched. I scanned the dark forest around us, but saw nothing out of the ordinary. Later that night, as I was walking back to the cabin from the outhouse, I caught a glimpse of something that sent a shiver down my spine. Red glowing eyes stared at me from the darkness, watching my every move. I couldn't see the creature's body, but the intensity of its gaze was enough to make me hurry back to the safety of the cabin. I didn't mention the encounter to my friends, not wanting to scare them or be labeled as a paranoid city slicker. But the image of those red eyes haunted me for the remainder of the trip. A few years later, I found myself in Pennsylvania on a camping trip with some buddies. We had chosen a remote location, surrounded by dense woods and miles from the nearest town. Once again, I felt that familiar sense of being watched, and my mind drifted back to that night in Wisconsin. As the sun dipped below the horizon, we huddled around the campfire, its warm glow providing some comfort against the encroaching darkness. We chatted and roasted marshmallows, trying to ignore the eerie stillness of the woods around us. When nature called, I hesitated, remembering my previous encounter. But eventually, I couldn't put it off any longer. As I ventured away from the campsite, I couldn't shake the feeling of being followed. And then, it happened again. Those same red glowing eyes appeared in the darkness, watching me intently. I stood there, frozen in fear, my heart pounding in my chest. The creature remained hidden, its body obscured by the shadows. But something told me it was a dogman, a legendary creature said to roam the woods of the Midwest and the East Coast. If I had seen its body, I'm sure I would be even more terrified than I already was. I hurried back to the campsite, my mind racing with thoughts of the mysterious creature. I shared my encounter with my friends this time, and we decided to pack up and leave first thing in the morning. To this day, I can't help but wonder what might have happened if I'd seen the full form of the creature with the red glowing eyes. Would I be more heavily affected by the encounters, unable to enjoy the serenity of the woods? Or would I have come face to face with a legend, forever changing my perception of the unknown? All I know for sure is that those two encounters have left me with a deep respect for the mysteries that still linger in the wilderness, a reminder that we may never fully understand the secrets that lie hidden in the shadows. My friend, Jake, is a sound guy for a local theater group. The other night, He finished a late-night rehearsal and was driving home when he saw something that made him question the very fabric of reality. He was on this empty four-lane road, only illuminated by the dim glow of his headlights. Out of nowhere, he noticed something unusual in the distance. It was tall and skinny, almost resembling a person, but something was just off about it. As he got closer, he realized it was entirely pitch black, from head to toe. It stood eerily still for a moment, and then, without warning, it sprinted across the road with a speed he'd never seen before. One moment it was there, and the next, it was gone. Jake swears it wasn't an animal. He said it was too tall, too humanoid, but it didn't move like any person he'd ever seen. Jake told me this story, his voice trembling. He was scared, and I couldn't blame him. I'd heard of such encounters before stories about creatures called crawlers, but I thought they were just urban legends. Most accounts describe them as pale and gaunt creatures, but could there be different kinds? Could crawlers be pitch black too? It's unnerving, to say the least. This happened near my house, and I don't know what to make of it. I keep wondering what lurks in the darkness when the world is asleep. Is it some unknown predator, a crawler, or something else altogether? I'm not sure I want to find out. For now, I'm taking extra precautions. I keep the doors and windows locked, and I'm considering investing in some security cameras. I'm not going to let some demon, crawler, or whatever it is, disrupt my life. But I won't lie, every creak in the night, every rustle of leaves outside, sends a chill down my spine. It's a chilling reminder that there are things out there we don't understand and some things are better left unknown. Several years ago, my friend Charlie and I embarked on a hiking trip to the breathtaking canyons of New Mexico. We were drawn by the promise of untouched landscapes and the sheer thrill of adventure. Little did we know, we were about to encounter something that would change our perception of reality forever. It was our third day on the trail, We were in a remote part of the canyon, miles away from civilization. The sun was beginning to set, casting long shadows across the rugged terrain. We decided to set up camp near the base of a towering cliff. As we were collecting firewood, Charlie suddenly froze. He pointed towards a spot on the cliff face. I squinted, trying to make out what he was pointing at. Then, I saw it. A figure, pitch black almost blending with the shadows. It was thin, unnaturally so, with long arms ending in what seemed to be claws. Its skin had an unnatural shiny black sheen, like it was coated in an oil slick. We stood there, frozen, watching as it scaled the cliff with an agility that was both mesmerizing and terrifying. It moved like some sort of grotesque, twisted parody of Spider-Man, its long limbs contorting in ways that seemed impossible. Suddenly, it stopped. Its head turned, and I felt a cold shiver run down my spine. It had noticed us. For a moment, it seemed to consider us, its form eerily still against the cliff face. Then, with a speed that made my heart pound in my chest, it scurried up the cliff and disappeared into the darkness. Charlie and I were left standing in stunned silence, the echoes of our encounter lingering in the air. We quickly decided to move camp, neither of us comfortable sleeping so close to the creature's haunt. To this day, we refer to that encounter as our Black Spider-Man. I was hiking in the Catskills. I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but I come up to the Catskills fairly regularly throughout the year because sometimes the Poconos just get a little boring. I started at the trailhead parking lot where I parked my car and began walking up the same trail that I've walked up 1,000 times. After about an hour, I started to feel kind of weird. It felt like the woods were a little bit quieter than they usually were when I had come up here before, but I wasn't initially very concerned about it. After I sat down to have breakfast, I started hearing rustling above me, and some sticks fell down right behind me. I wasn't really worried about this either, as I just assumed it was some squirrels running around, or some chipmunks, throwing things at me. This has happened to me before. I finished my breakfast without incident and kept walking toward the summit. This was fairly early in the morning, around 6 AM, so I would think there would be a lot of birds chirping, and a lot of other activity, but things just kept getting quieter and quieter as I ascended. This definitely creeped me out, but I tried to push it out of my mind because I've already been hiking for a while at this point, and I'm definitely not turning around. Eventually, more sticks fell to my right, somewhat close to me, and they sounded heavier. These were at the kind of small twigs that would generally fall from squirrel activity. I went over and checked them, and these were fairly substantial. This continued to happen in a higher frequency, until I finally reached the end of the trail. On my way back, it happened continuously, increasing in frequency as I descended, until suddenly, it just kind of stopped when I was about a mile from the car. When I finally returned to my car, I found all of the doors open, and it seemed like a lot of my stuff had been very violently rummaged through. I had a bag in there with some of my clothes in it, and this had been torn up. A lot of my clothes were outside of the car, leading back into the woods. I thought about calling the police, but I live in Philadelphia so I knew there wasn't really anything that was going to happen. To this day, I still get freaked out when I think about it. I don't necessarily think it was connected, but I do feel really uneasy about both of these things happening at the same time. Then again, maybe I was just robbed. fiance claims she heard someone yelling help from the woods. To give some perspective on the scenario, we live in an apartment complex at the edge of town in Illinois, right next to us is a woodsy area full of coyotes and deer and lots of birds so it's pretty lively. Last night at 3am she went outside to grab a case of water from the trunk of our car and when she was grabbing it she claimed she heard someone say hello? In a girl's voice coming from the woods. She couldn't see anything but she replied back confused saying hello back. Whatever it was ended up saying, can somebody help me? And that's when she got the chills and ran as fast as she could back inside our house. Right before she entered the house she said she heard it again with the voice getting closer asking for help but instead of a normal girl voice it turned into a girl voice that didn't even sound real and she couldn't explain the change in the voice. Plus she said afterwards thinking about it that her voice sounded familiar but couldn't point out whose voice. Why I believe she wasn't bullshitting is because two years living here we've never talked about things like this, and when she rushed inside she startled me because her face was in shock and she was breathing heavily, like I thought she seen something or heard a gunshot I don't know. My question is she thinks it was a skinwalker because who would be out at 3am asking for someone to help them in the woods. What do you guys think? I also read online that you aren't supposed to interact nor share the encounter you had about a skinwalker, she will be alright this one time sharing the story I hope? For the past few nights, I've been kept awake by an unsettling noise. Something heavy moving across the roof. It's an old house, and every creak or groan it makes is familiar to me. But this, this was something different, something alien. It was heavy, rhythmic, almost like footfalls. In an attempt to understand the nature of the noise, my boyfriend agreed to go up on the roof during the day. We reasoned that if it was an animal, maybe it had left some traces behind. Plus, we could judge the weight of the creature based on how the roof responded to his weight. As he moved, I listened from inside, comparing the sounds. What we discovered was unsettling, whatever was on our roof at night was significantly heavier than my boyfriend. Wolves had been spotted in our area recently, a pair seen trotting down the road one evening, their eyes reflecting in our headlights. But even a wolf wouldn't weigh more than my boyfriend. What was prowling our roof at night was much heavier. Then, a few nights ago, we heard something that chilled us to our cores a barking sound that seemed to move swiftly across our yard. We heard it clearly, despite being inside with the TV on. There was something off about the sound, something that didn't sit right with us. It was unlike any dog's bark we'd ever heard. It was deeper, more guttural, and it had an unnerving quality to it that I couldn't put my finger on. The following morning, we found deep, large paw prints around our house and leading onto the roof. The prints were unlike any I've seen before, larger than those of a wolf, with longer, claw-like indentations. Now, we're left wondering, what creature is haunting our home? What prowls on our roof at night, watches us with unseen eyes, and barks with an eerie, otherworldly tone? The fear has seeped into our everyday lives, tainting every creak of the old house, every rustle of leaves in the yard. We've taken turns staying up at night hoping to catch a glimpse of the creature. We've installed cameras around the property, their red lights blinking in the darkness. Yet, every morning we find nothing but those large, clawed footprints, a haunting reminder of our nocturnal visitor. One night, my boyfriend suggested we venture out when we heard the sound again. Armed with a flashlight and his grandfather's old shotgun, we cautiously stepped outside. The yard was bathed in moonlight, the long shadows twisting and coiling like serpents. The barking started again, echoing through the silence of the night. We followed the sound, our hearts pounding in our chests. As we rounded the corner of the house, the flashlight beam fell onto the roof. What we saw in that moment, illuminated in the harsh white light, will forever be etched into my memory. A massive creature, larger than any wolf, its body covered in dark, matted fur. It had glowing red eyes, and it was staring right at us. Its lips pulled back in a snarl, revealing sharp, glistening teeth. We scrambled back inside, locking every door, every window. We huddled in the living room, the image of the creature seared into our minds. We haven't been able to sleep since. We're still trying to make sense of what we saw, still trying to understand what this creature is. But one thing is clear. We're living in its territory, and it knows we're here. Our peaceful home now feels like a prison, and every night, as the heavy footfalls start on the roof, we're reminded of the terror that lurks in the darkness. The very first time I went deer hunting was back in 2015. In West Kentucky and went on my then girlfriend, current wife's, family land on the opening day of rifle season. I got put in one of their stands on the edge of a swamp that was only about 100 yards in the woods with soybean field out front. The stand faces into the woods and about 300 feet from the stand turns into public TVA ground. The TVA ground is accessible but yet have to either trespass or walk through about two miles of thick swamp to get back to where we were. I get dropped off to the stand and remember taking in the 25 degree pitch black morning, and waiting in the dark for things to lighten up. Then I see a blue light walking through the woods. As it got closer I see an old man with a white beard wearing red and black flannel and a stormy cromer walking down the trail that leads to and past this stand, with an old school lantern held out at arm's length. He walked past my stand, never looked up at me and walked onto the TVA and disappeared. I got a doe that morning and never have figured out where that guy came from. I was there until about 12.30 or so and never saw him walk back out either. Let me start off by saying my husband is native and this happened about six years before I met him. My ex-husband was stationed in San Diego and I flew out there to visit him. Unfortunately I wasn't allowed to stay with him on the base for whatever reason. Don't ask me cause I don't even know myself. Also I should add I had just given birth about 3 months before this and I had my son with me. Anyway I found a hotel that wasn't far from the base and close to food and whatnot. I went out to get some food and then walked back to the hotel since it wasn't far. Unfortunately with my horrible sense of direction I got lost and ended up near a wooded area but there was a highway also nearby. It was getting close to sunset and I started seeing sets of shining eyes and I thought they were just coyote. I'm not afraid of much. After about 20 minutes one set of shining eyes got closer and I saw it was a coyote. I watched Steve Irwin as a teenager and remembered that if you make yourself appear bigger and louder than you actually are they will usually run off. So I started clapping my hands and shouting. This one however didn't. It stood up and started walking like a person. I've never run away from something so fast. It never followed me and I wasn't gonna stick around to find out what it was. It wasn't until I met my current husband that I found out what it was and the look on his face when I told him this story. He went pale. He never said anything he just kinda nodded like he understood. Maybe it knew I was still semi-healing from having recently given birth or it saw my son in the stroller I was pushing and just wanted to scare me either way I don't know. I just know it succeeded in scaring me. This isn't really a question it's more or less me telling the story of how I saw a skinwalker and didn't even know what it was at the time. My parents' house was always a place of comfort for me a sanctuary, until the day my grandmother passed away. My mother, being the oldest, inherited the family Bible. It was an ancient tome, filled with brittle pages of scripture and, oddly enough, locks of hair from generations past. None of the hair was labeled, the identities of their owners lost to time. Things started to change in the house after the Bible came into our possession. It began with the light switches. We'd walk into a room, only to find the lights turned off when we were certain they'd been left on. We shrugged it off as faulty wiring or forgetfulness. When my divorce was finalized, my two children and I moved into my parents' home. One night, while my children slept soundly in their beds, I was startled awake by a peculiar sensation. I could feel a pressure on the bed, as though someone was sitting on the edge. The blankets were taut, The mattress creaked under the weight. I sat up, looking around the dimly lit room, but found nothing. I brushed it off as a dream, a figment of my overactive imagination. But it happened again. And again. Every time, it was the same, the sensation of someone sitting on the bed, the mattress groaning under the phantom weight. I checked on my two-year-old each time, expecting to find him out of his bed, but he was always sound asleep. The incidents shook me, but I kept them to myself, not wanting to worry my children or parents. It wasn't until my sister came to visit that I realized I wasn't alone in my experiences. She'd been staying in the upstairs room and one day, over coffee, she confided in me. Her stories mirrored my own, the feeling of an unseen presence, the sensation of someone sitting on her bed. We exchanged uneasy glances, a silent acknowledgement of the uncanny events taking place in our childhood home. We still don't know what to make of it. The old family Bible sits on the bookshelf, a relic of the past, its pages filled with scripture and strands of hair. But the house feels different now. It's as if we're sharing it with someone else, someone we can't see. It's no longer just our home, it's theirs too. But who they are, we may never know. New to the group, so wanted to share an experience I had back in the spring of 2018. I have had a few what could be considered paranormal experiences in my life but, this was the most recent and unnerving. I am an avid outdoorsman and love to hunt and camp around the Francis Marion and Sumter National Forest. Back in 2018, I took my young son and dog out to a remote area in the National Forest to test out a new camper shell on my recently purchased truck. We found a secluded area off a dirt road, made dinner and then packed it in for the night as soon as it got dark. Around 11 pm at night I sat up and looked out the back of the truck due to my dog growling. In the distance I saw what looked like hundreds of small white balls of light darting around, then hovering for a few seconds and slowly converging to our campsite. They looked just like the dust orbs you see on videos, but these were producing light in a completely dark forest. They soon surrounded my truck. Seemed like hundreds of them. They were a soft white light, and they didn't blink, lighting bugs were out early evening but those were yellow and blinking. After thirty minutes of them floating around and concentrating around us, I finally worked up the nerve to open the truck and little lantern and they promptly disappeared. After turning off the lights and locking back up they came back. My son was fast asleep, thank goodness. I watched them until I finally fell asleep around 1 am. The next morning when we tried to leave, the battery was dead on the new truck. There wasn't any lights in the back cab where we would've used any power. A week later I had to replace the electric control module. Not sure if that is relevant info, but thought I would add it. Has anyone had a similar experience? Just thinking about them again makes the hair stand up on my neck. This is a story I heard a few years ago from my flatmate at the time. I won't be able to elaborate on details but will try to recall from my memory as best as I can. Happened in Hungary. P.S. English is not mine nor his first language so sorry if there are discrepancies in government institutions or anything else. His dad was a hunter so took him hunting quite a lot and if memory serves me right dad was employed by something like National Guard so not someone who's easily scared. Anyway, this one night they are out, flat made around 10 at the time and camped in the meadow near forest, early autumn so not too cold. At some point while having dinner they heard rustling in the nearby woods. Not surprising a lot of wildlife around can't recall the in-between but eventually they went to investigate. They spotted a wild boar and dad was about to take a shot when something large rose up on their right. It was dark so they could not see much but they were also too close to the thing, around 300 meters max. Grass was not too tall so it appeared that it was either crouching without moving or laying but once it rose it was clearly walking on two feet but it wasn't not a human. Dark fur clearly canine features and glowing eyes. It looked them over and just walked away. They were frozen in place and my flatmate said he never been so scared in his life. They took of running, jumped into the car and drove away. His dad had another sighting of something similar while on patrol but I don't remember that story well and unfortunately haven't bumped into the guy since. Story fascinated me but I also remember that while telling this he was scared and guarded. This is not much at all but hope someone finds this interesting. I have two stories. First was about 1997, opening weekend deer season Central California. I was sitting in camp after setting up the Thursday before the opener, had a campfire going, this was base camp for the whole season, so we set up everything sitting by the fire just BSing with my cousin, when three lights started making their way up the hill, about eight feet off the ground. I thought they were possibly fireflies, none. This side of the Sierras, or maybe sparks floating from another fire. As they got closer I realized they were about baseball sized and pretty consistently bright. They made their way up the side of the mountain, watched them for a good four to five minutes, they didn't fade, just one over the hill out of sight. No drugs or alcohol involved, just some bright lights and weird feelings all weekend. Like being watched. Second was probably no more than three miles from the first place, opening weekend again but this was about four years ago. Moving along the edge of a meadow, my 14-year-old nephew with me for his first archery deer hunt. I have bear tag as well. He points and whispers, bear. I see it about 100 yards, pulling a log apart looking for grubs, wind in my favor, so I start stalking. Got to about 60 yards, pull the range finder, start putting it away and the wind swirled. I feel it on the back of my neck. The bear stands up on two legs. Not a bear, whatever it was was about seven feet, covered in black hair, half turned to me and walked away. On two legs. silently. Not super surprised by that, it was on a bed of pine needles. Was shooting light, but dark in the meadow. Wasn't a bear, and it was big. Okay, so, I live in Australia. I wasn't sure where to post this but someone on another page recommended to post this here. It's currently autumn and I live on the outskirts of a major city, still in the suburbs. This happened yesterday in late afternoon when I went to hang some washing on the line under our carport, attached to side of house. We were starting to lose daylight so thought I'd quickly pop out and hang up the last of the washing for the day. It was increasingly getting darker by the minute. I had just begun hanging clothes when I started to get an uneasy feeling. I'm unsure why. I brushed it off as that I was losing daylight quickly. A minute later I heard a group of kids up the other end of the street screaming and then silence. Again, I brushed it off as the kids just being kids and playing with each other. The intensity of unease grew and I felt like I was being watched. I then heard a low growl which was unlike anything I'd ever heard and the air got significantly colder and all the crickets and bugs went silent. I moved the clothes rack to outside the carport so I could use what little light there was to hurry this up as much as possible. Which hanging and scanning around between picking up the next piece of clothing I noticed something new. The this dense garden that wrapped around our U-shaped drive looked poor like it had been trampled in a decent section. Maybe 13 feet of the garden? I intensely felt I was really being watched by something and right before finishing the close the feeling started to ease off a little and it began to warm back up like it was when I initially came outside. I was raised with big dogs, rottweilers, german shepherds etc, and grew up in rural countryside. I've heard all kinds of animal sounds from wild dogs, foxes, koalas fighting, possums and bats. I have never in my life heard a growl like this before and I don't know how to explain it, but it did not sound natural. It sounded closest to a dog but something about it was very wrong. Before going outside my indoor cat desperately wanted outside. Once I came inside she was acting completely different skulking around and all fur puffed up. She then was following me at my ankles around the house, not normal for her. We have a lot of bushland surrounding us and live next to a river, behind us. I don't fish in that river anymore as I've always felt like someone was around. For the past few months something has been harassing this entire house. It only happens at night, it's only been seen twice, and it's only been towards women and anyone under 18. My best friend's little brother looks like a grown man, but he's sixteen, if that's important. When I saw it it was sunset, but it wasn't really an animal. It was someone really tall, somewhere between six feet six five? It was standing in the woods, kinda far away, really pale like someone had never been in the sun, blonde hair, black shirt, I couldn't see the pants, and its face wasn't visible. It was looking straight down. The arms were really long, too. I was about to leave, and I thought it was a person, so I said they weren't allowed on our property, it's a rental, if that's important. It just spun around and took off, never lifting its head. It was really fast, like it almost disappeared fast. When my best friend's mom saw it she described the same thing, but with jeans and said it was closer to 6 feet 6 feet 7. It was in the same area that I saw it. This time it was sunrise. Ever since then any time I've had to go outside at night, I go pick my best friend up at midnight five times a week from work, if I say anything it mimics me. Sometimes its voice matches mine, sometimes it sounds like a woman, sometimes it sounds like a man, sometimes I can't tell. It's all coming from the same area I saw that thing. My best friend's sister keeps having the same thing happen to her. All in the same spot in the woods. We all. Aside from the three men in the house, keep hearing animal noises, but they don't really sound like animals. I saw a shadow outside of my window last week, and my best friend's little brother keeps having someone tap his window at night. The windows are on the opposite side of the house from where we keep hearing and seeing everything, and the little brother's window is close to 15 feet off the ground. The shadow I saw went above my window almost. 5 feet off the ground and 3 feet tall, and it was almost a combination of a human and a deer? Like, it was a hunched over person with something sticking out of its head and it had a snout. Last night when I was leaving, late night Walmart run, I walked outside and something screamed and started crying. I yelled for my best friend and ran back in while it was mimicking me. Nobody else heard it, and it stopped when he went outside. I made sure not to say anything when I went outside last night, but it still happened, so it's definitely watching us. I don't think we've done anything to upset anyone, and none of us are natives, unless you count the several generations back everyone in my area has, but I don't because none of us ever actually live like Native Americans, but we do live about a 20 minute drive from what used to be a home to Mississippian Indians, I'm sorry if that's not the proper name, It was turned into a museum that is now run by their descendants. I live in Alabama, about a four-hour drive from Mississippi and Tennessee. Is this a skinwalker or is it something else? I just want to get rid of whatever this is. The dogs won't go out at night, and normally I can sense energies but I can't anymore. It's really freaking me out. It's daytime, so I'm not concerned right now and it's never hurt us either just whatever information I can be given would be helpful right now. Update, kinda, not really? I took some advice someone mentioned and tried to keep quiet and not react in any way the last few days. It went well until today. I was walking my son to the car just now and he said hi to something in the woods, not once, not twice, but three times. He waved the last time. It did not respond. But I about shit my pants because that means he can see whatever it is. When I was about 15 or 16 I was walking my uncle's dog. His name was Zeus and he was an American bulldog and loved me and all his family obviously. So one night I'm taking him to little dog park they had on the military base we were stationed at in Germany. We were walking on this path through like a courtyard of these four buildings. As I was looking ahead I thought I saw somebody under the street light, but I didn't pay it any attention. I was like maybe 100 or so feet away I'm not sure. As we got closer Zeus slowed down and what I thought I saw before at this point looked like it was 7 feet tall but could have also been taken as like a shadow it was weird. I started walking to it. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't tripping or going crazy seeing things. At this point I'm like pulling Zeus to walk with me and see what's going on. The closer we got the shadow thing started taking form. By the time we were like 30 to 25 feet I saw like a 10 feet hooded figure and you couldn't see a face or anything in the hood it was like a void. Zeus started barking which he never does and I was like frozen for a second and dropped the leash and he took off running. I snapped out of it and took off running too and nothing happened to us. About eight years later I saw it again while out in Atlanta one night. The night that changed everything for me began like any other night. I was visiting my grandparents and sleeping in my grandmother's bed, as I always did. However, something strange and frightening happened that I couldn't explain. I woke up in the middle of the night, feeling a strange tickling sensation on the back of my neck. I tried to swat away whatever was bothering me, but the feeling persisted. That's when I turned around and saw it, a pale, human hand with long, sharp, black nails. It was attached to a figure wearing a monk's robe, and everything beyond the hand was just an unnatural blackness. As I watched, the hand reached out and touched me and a voice whispered in a calm, but dark tone, follow me. Where we will go, it is beautiful. Despite feeling scared, I somehow remained calm and replied, no, I don't want to. But the figure was persistent, and it responded with a more forceful voice, believe me, you wanna come with me. That's when I screamed and turned to my grandmother, who was dazed and claimed that I was dreaming. But the encounters didn't stop there. On another occasion, I was in bed, and my mom had just left the room with the light still on. When I turned back to the door, I saw a figure made of pure blackness with bright green glowing eyes. I called out to my grandmother, but there was no answer. I turned away and back, but the figure was still there. And then, suddenly, it was gone. It wasn't until 12 years later that I would hear a similar story from my stepfather. He told me that he had been up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom when a shadowy figure with glowing green eyes had touched him. He even had a red handprint on his shoulder as proof. He had no knowledge of my experiences, which made it all the more eerie. To this day, I still don't know what I encountered or why. But I do know that those experiences left an indelible mark on me, and I will never forget them.